Good morning, saints. We have some October announcements for you. The Relevance of Biblical Prophecy is available for purchase on our website. This book consists of the transcriptions of the five messages that Lance Lambert gave at the Christian Family Conference in 1982 regarding the necessity of understanding the prophecies which are expressed in the scriptures through the Holy Spirit. According to Lance, approximately 27% of the Bible is prophecy. We may think that prophecy is for Christian eccentrics, but actually the Bible says that prophecy is a lamp by which we have understanding of the times in which we live. The relevance of biblical prophecy is an exhortation to be ready for the Lord to return at any day and any hour, and to know and do the will of God while there is still time. Next, Lance's book, The Uniqueness of Israel, is 25% off for the month of October. You can find both of these books on our website, and I will leave the links in the description of this podcast. Lastly, our second audiobook is currently in the works. The narrator of our first audiobook, Matt Jamie, will be reading The Last Days and God's Priorities. We will have more announcements on this in the near future. If you are interested in listening to Matt read our first audiobook for Jacob I Have Loved, click the link in the description or listen wherever you get audiobooks. The first three chapters of this audiobook are also available for free on this podcast. That is all for October's announcements. Let's begin this podcast. You're listening to a podcast by Lance Lambert Ministries. For more information on this ministry, visit lancelambert.org. In this episode, Lance shares his burden about being ready for the return of the Lord on a personal and corporate level and in every aspect of our lives. Let's listen. If you will turn to the prophecies of Isaiah and chapter 21 and verse 11 and 12. The prophecies of Isaiah chapter 21 verse 11 and 12. I haven't got, I got a message but it's not a sermon. I'm afraid it's very disordered and disjointed but it's a burden. The burden of Duma. One calleth unto me out of Seir, Watchman, what of the night? Watchman, what of the night? The watchman said, The morning cometh, and also the night. If ye will inquire, inquire ye. Turn ye, come. A very strange little burden. Uh, when you think about it, a voice out of Seir or Edom. Watchman, what at the night? Now you would have thought that the watchman would have answered by telling him what hour uh, of the night it was. But he didn't. He replied in a most extraordinary way. He said, the morning cometh. And then he said, and also the night. Now, I can't help feeling that sometimes we children of God, who have been so uh, wonderfully and gloriously saved, are more 
centered on the night than the day which is coming. And I think it's a very interesting thing that the, when this voice, when this questioner asked the question, the watchman said, the morning comes. Now I have myself no doubt that we as children of God are living in a very vital time in the history of this world. And um, I think I'm more confident than I have been since I was saved that we are truly in the end time. It seems to me that you've got to be more than a little blind to ignore the blatant signs that have been fulfilled on all sides. My own eyes have seen now um, Israel. Uh, people told me that I would be changed by what I saw. I think the general idea in evangelical circles is that when you've seen some of the sights of uh, the stories that are recording it in the Bible, it must change you. Personally, I didn't find uh, that it, that had so much effect on me. But what I think has touched me in a way that I can't help but feel will never leave me the same again has been to see the Israelis and to read uh, the Bible in the light of what is happening. Um, I can't explain it now, I'm too near to what I've seen to be able to coherently uh, explain uh, what one feels. Uh, but I have no doubt that we of this generation have witnessed one of the greatest signs of the end time, the return to the land called Palestine of the Jewish people. From every end, every side of the globe they've returned. And I think only when you see that great conglomeration of languages and of peoples, Yemeni, Moroccan, Algerian, Tunisian, from India, uh, from all the countries of Europe, from America, from Scandinavia, from Russia, from all over the world, back, and all speaking Hebrew. To me, that was the most extraordinary thing of all, to hear Hebrew spoken, um, as was pointed out to us, in a way that Jeremiah could come back now and understand. A language which has been a sacred language and has been in one sense a dead language for over 2,000 years. Even our Lord Jesus didn't speak Hebrew, he spoke Aramaic. Is now the language of a nation. That I think is extraordinary. And of course the other sign which we have in Luke 21, 24 about Jerusalem. 
which I have mentioned before, um, that Jerusalem, the nation, shall be dispersed to the ends of the earth, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. It is quite clear to me that Israel will never give up Jerusalem, both from what she is doing, the way she has cleared the Western Wall, what we call the Wailing Wall, the way that she is building and obviously uniting everything under one administration and so on. It's quite clear to me that Israel will never give up uh, the, uh, the uh, 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 Jerusalem again. And therefore, I think we can say now quite confidently, a year and a quarter after the event, that this sign is obviously fulfilled. Which means that the times of the Gentiles are finished. And that the time of uh, Israel out of the flesh, their sovereignty uh, has commenced again. Now, of course, naturally, these things are open to much question. There is much controversy, much dispute over prophecy, um, over how we should look at prophecy. That's not my burden uh, uh, this morning. I'm not here to talk about uh, the fulfillment of prophecy. What I know is this. The morning comes. As sure, as sure as I'm standing here, the morning is coming. And the night also. But don't let us invert the order. Don't let us get so concerned about the night which is coming. Antichrist, his reign, the tribulation, and all that must mark the last era of world history, the time of Jacob's trouble, such as has never been since the beginning of the world. Don't let us get too centered upon the night which has commenced. But um, let us remember the morning cometh. Now, you know there are many schools of thought about the Lord's coming, whether we shall all be taken willy-nilly, uh, regardless of our condition, just because we're saved people, whether we should all go through the tribulation and then see the coming of the Lord. Whether only those who are ready for the Lord shall be taken, the rest shall be left to be purified in the worst part of the tribulation. One thing I am quite sure, if the Lord had wanted to clear up the mess that there is in prophetic school and in schools of interpretation, he could easily have done so. In other words, what the Lord has done is he has deliberately allowed there to be more than a little element of mystery in this matter of his coming. So that none of us can be absolutely, I think, dogmatically uh, clear as to just when the Lord will come and how. What we know is this, he is coming. And what we know is this, he is coming for his own. That we can say dogmatically, categorically. The Lord is coming and he is coming for his own. Well, I don't know. Now then, 
The burden that is on my heart is this. Are you and I ready? If the Lord were to come this afternoon, are you ready? On the personal level, are you ready? On the corporate level, are we ready? On the much more general level, are we ready as the people of God? It says in Revelation 19, the bride hath made herself ready. Have you made yourself ready? It is very interesting in this little burden it says the morning cometh and also the night. If ye will inquire, inquire ye, turn ye, come. That's a word for us. If ye will inquire, inquire. In other words, don't be indifferent. Don't just say, I believe in the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the second coming of Christ. Don't just let it be a, a, a doctrine, part of a creed. Inquire. If you will inquire, inquire. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. In other words, don't let this matter just be something which, in our deceitful way, we all the time put off to a future date. Oh, yes, we believe in the coming of the Lord, perhaps at the end of our life, perhaps further beyond that. Now, of course, some people will say to me, well, you've got to be very careful because you don't know the day of the hour quite right. So precisely what I'm saying. But the Lord said that you can read the signs in the skies and know whether it will be a good day or a bad day. He said you could read the signs of summer coming, spring, when the trees begin to bud and put forth leaf. And he said we also ought to be able if we inquire, if we have a sensitive spirit to the Lord to know when these things are drawing nigh. Now, may I ask you on the personal level, are you really ready to meet the Lord should he come? Is there a clear relationship between you and your Lord? Could you stand before him and say, well, as far as I know, everything is in order? Or do you know that in your life there are things actually now at this very present moment while I'm speaking to you of which you would be desperately ashamed if the Lord were to appear?
yours, which you've allowed to go on and have evaded and avoided, which you would have settled instantly if you'd been more serious. Things that might rob you of so much. Tinsely things, little things, petty things, transient things. Is your relationship right with every other child of God? Or must you meet your Lord? knowing full well that there were relationships which were wrong. People that you'd fallen out with. People that you couldn't meet happily or joyfully. The morning cometh and also the night. On the other hand, there may be other things we could talk about on the personal level. Things like the tithing of our time, of our money, of our being. Whether it's been given to the Lord, whether we've been owners or stewards. The morning cometh and also the night. Inquire if you will inquire. Perhaps there are things in our homes, difficulties between husband and wife, between parents and children, which have just dragged on and on and on, which if we had inquired and thought about, we would have settled in the presence of the Lord. Perhaps there would have been a family altar in many homes where there is no family altar where there is no place of united prayer or reading of the word or seeking the Lord's face together. Perhaps there would have been an openness, a fellowship, if we'd been serious. Are you ready? You, who have family, could you go into the presence of the Lord with regret? Or with shame? Or we can speak on the corporate level, as a company. Are we ready? Perhaps there are all kinds of things that we would look upon as less essential if we really thought that the Lord might come back this week. Perhaps there are many things we would put first which are not first. Things perhaps also much more essential than just the science and technique of a company, of a gathering together, of, of meeting. Such things as being built together. Such things being knit together. Such things as sharing together. All this. When the Lord comes, as far as I know, there is no more possibility of building. As far as I know. 
in other words, the building work that has gone on in our lives will be finished at his, at his appearing. Then one star will differ from another star in glory. And then perhaps we would think back and we would wonder since we shall still be human beings as far as I know with memories we would wonder and wonder wouldn't it have been a good thing if we had put that first and that first and the other first it is not of course that we shouldn't have a personal life or a family life or a business life these are essential and indeed let us say it quite clearly that in most of the letters that Paul wrote he spent a lot of time dealing with just these things because church life is inclusive church life is not you have a personal life you have a secular life you have a business life and you have a church life church life is we are the church we never cease to be the church we, are de we don't de-church ourselves as we go out of the door we're never unchurched we are the church. Therefore, our business life is an expression of that life. And our home life is an expression of that life. That's why the Apostle Paul brings everything down to husbands loving their wives as Christ loved the church. And wives being obedient to the husband as the church ought to be obedient to Christ. You see, it's all tied to this matter. It's not just a question of uh, doctrine and pretty theory. Why he goes on to talk to us about even we who are employees, that we've got to look at our employer as if he was God. Rather difficult sometimes. And it doesn't mean that when you have a good, upright, righteous uh, employer, that's okay. But rather that you've just got to look that your job, your job, is being done not to him, but as unto the Lord. For you see the Lord behind the employer, employing you. So that comes down to the way you do the job, the efficiency, the conscientiousness of the way you do the job, the punctuality, the responsibility. You must never think that the Lord will judge you by what you did in um, the gatherings and what you did as far as the comes concerned and that what you do at work just doesn't matter two hoots. Or what goes on in the home or family doesn't matter at all. That's not so at all. It is... Uh, uh, just there that everything is proved and that's why there is so much in the letters of the New Testament about these very practical subjects of employers and employees of parents and children and children and parents and husbands and wives and wives and husbands and our relationship one with the other the whole thing is brought together it's not differentiated in the sense that this is the church and that's not it's all inclusive I sometimes wonder if the Lord came back, certainly for myself, and I'm sure I speak for many more, if not all. I'm sure that if the Lord came back, one of the greatest regrets would be our lack of faith. 
that whilst we would say, well, everything that we have and everything that we've seen has been through the gift of God's faith to us, the faith which is in Christ Jesus, I think we would have felt, oh, if we'd only taken more. If we had only taken more and gone right through to the conclusion, how sad it would be to go into the presence of the Lord with something unfinished. Something that never actually finally reached the goal, the objective that God had. I speak to us as a small part of God's family. God speaks to us in this way. Watchman, what of the night? The morning cometh, and also the night. The darkest part of the night is just before the morn. And that darkest part of the night is coming. But don't let's think about that. Let's think about the morn, which lies just beyond. And don't think that the Lord must have centuries to do this. The greatest ministry that ever shook this world, apart from the Lord Jesus and uh, the apostles, was John the Baptist. And his ministry lasted precisely six months. And it was the greatest ministry, the Lord Jesus said, of the Old Testament. It lasted only six months. And it was over. And our Lord's ministry lasted just over three years. You must understand that if a dark time is coming, the darkest part of the night, it is not necessarily very long it will be made up for by its density and intensity. But it won't be long. The night comes, the, the morning comes, and also the night. And what about on the general scale? Uh, on, on a wider scale than even ourselves. Oh, there's so much we could say, but I hesitate to say it about the, the local, just ourselves as a people. All kinds of things. My, we'd get a lot of things settled, wouldn't we? We wouldn't leave it for a moment. And yet, I can't help feeling there would be something a little deceitful about it if we thought the Lord was coming back at precisely two o'clock. We'd all rush round getting everything done, settled, cleaned up. But it would be somewhat deceitful. And it seems to me that it is precisely because of that that the Lord leaves us with this element of mystery. And as it says in the book of Revelation in the last chapter, he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is filthy, let him be filthy still. And if any man will wash robes, let him.
There's that element of mystery which means that you and I have to take a spiritual initiative and settle things. Rather than have some great sword hanging over our head. And a few hours or a few days or even a few weeks to get it all put right. This is why we so often have this um, deceitfulness within ourselves, this inherent deceitfulness. But when we think there is a possibility that it won't be, we let sleeping dogs lie. Well, now on the general level, what can we say? There's much to be done, I'm sure. <clears throat> it is interesting that two of the greatest signs we have in Scripture concerning the end have been fulfilled. What are the things that we must look for? I think <clears throat> we must look for a counterfeit world church. Uh, something apostate. Something which is a conglomeration of every kind of thing gathered under the name of Christian. In this it says, Antichrist will sit, giving himself forth as God the false prophet linked with the beast. The beast being a political system and the prophet being a religious system. Right. That's one thing I think we're looking for. And I don't think I have to remind any but the very, very young indeed that within the last ten years this satanic miracle that could never have even been thought of before is actually taking place in front of our eyes. We have dialogues all over the place. We have conferences, secret and public. We have all kinds of things happening. Well, because some people say that the Roman Catholic Church has received a great setback in its <clears throat> ecumenical endeavor because of the Pope's ruling on birth control. I don't think anything of the kind. I think in the end it will immeasurably strengthen because it is bringing out uh, a decay, uh, not a decay, but a kind of uh, uh, unrest and disturbance in the Catholic fold, which will, in the end, bring it much nearer to the Protestant. It's as simple as that, in my estimation, I may be wrong, that's so you'll see me proved wrong. Um, but that's how I see it. That's one thing. Another thing we see as marking the end um, which we will not dwell on for long, is the Antichrist. It is a sobering fact that if we are uh, toward the end of world history, if the Antichrist was born today, 
1988 he will only be 20 it is therefore possible that somewhere he is born that also remains to be seen but we can see it I think in what is happening in the political and economic spheres of this world on every side a growing dissatisfaction with the political systems that we have uh, a growing distrust of what we call democracy amongst the young uh, which may well result in a longing for a strong man a good man a decent man a man with a policy a man with authority we shall see another thing that I think we wait to see in the morning that's coming before that morn dawns is the preparation of the church the bride has made herself ready and God will use all kinds of pressures and all kinds of circumstances and all kinds of instruments political, economic, religious to press and push to pressurize his people into an altogether new position spiritually the bride has made herself ready it will not be glamorous it will not be necessarily sensational, dramatic but it will be real and genuine and satisfactory to the Lord something deep down within the people of God by which they are purified and made ready built together worldwide thank God for what he has done in China for what has gone through the flame for what he has done in India for what he is doing in Indonesia for what he is doing in many other parts of the world we of course expect a worldwide preaching of the gospel for that's what the Lord says this testimony shall be preached in all nations then shall the end come. And of course I think it hardly needs to be said in this company. You know that the testimony is being preached in nearly every nation uh, uh, in this world. By means even those remote tribes without a written language. By means of gospel recordings. By, by other means such as radio. By literature. By television. So never before has there been such a worldwide coverage of the gospel but <clears throat> don't think that's the end that's not the, the objective that's not the objective the objective is to bring out a people from every tongue and nation and kindred to be the wife of the lamb it's the preparation of the bride that is the key what of the night the watchman said the morning cometh and also the night I believe that there is something else we shall see which I believe will be as exciting and as wonderful as, 
as anything that has happened in the history of this world. I, I believe that at the end we are going to see a tremendous number of Jews turning to Christ. Just as the Lord has allowed rivers of blood to flow, just as he has made them a despising in every nation uh, on, on the earth, just as they have been knocked about, kicked around, so at the end it shall come to pass that uh, people will want to be Jews. Uh, Gentiles will want to be Jews. We saw it in Israel. Gentile people who felt within themselves a fascination for, the, for Israel, for Israelis, not the land, just for Israel, for the Israeli people themselves, the Jewish people. We heard um, <clears throat> a Christian gentleman, a Gentile, uh, Christian gentleman speaking um, in a hotel to a group of Christians. We eavesdropped along with, it was a Jewish kosher hotel in which we were staying. And uh, this was a group that had taken it and they were just passing through an American group with the Billy Graham Association. So we eavesdropped along with a lot of Jewish people quite a few of whom were orthodox. And there was one little old gentleman sitting just next to me with a little black hat on his head, true son of Abraham after the flesh, listening with rapt attention to everything that this uh, evangelist was saying to the people. He was talking about Israel in very, very glowing and glamorous terms to the Gentiles, which was interesting, the Israelis, very much. And then at the end he said... <clears throat> And it shall come to pass, he said, as it says in the prophet Zechariah, that ten men shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew and say, we will go with you, for we have heard that God is in your midst. This was too much for the little Jewish gentleman who looked at me I suppose he thought I was Jewish he looked at me and burst into laughter <laughs> it was just too much for him to think the Gentiles could take hold of anyone who was Jewish and say we want to be Jews well we have to be very careful of this subject because people tend to go overboard on this as with other things. But you know it says in Romans chapter um, 11 verse 25 For I would not, brethren, have you ignorant of this mystery lest ye be wise in your own conceits that a hardening in part hath befallen Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved. Now, you know, all of you who are Gentiles in origin, all have been placed into the olive tree. 
But you must never forget that the olive tree, as Paul says in this very chapter, bears the branches, not the branches, the tree. We have been included in the true Israel of God. And at the end of this age, I have no doubt at all, we are going to see a tremendous turning to the Lord amongst uh, Jewish people, especially in Israel. I was told uh, that Israel was an irreligious country. Um, we didn't find that at all. Uh, we found uh, instead that there was a great interest in all things spiritual and also a readiness to listen uh, to uh, the, uh, to the Christian gospel just by the, 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 the way that everyone came and drew up chairs and sat outside the open windows listening to this Billy Graham Association Evangelist. Tremendous interest, especially when he mentioned Messiah. As soon as he mentioned Messiah, people took up chairs and came and sat uh, uh, to listen what it was all about. Well, what of the night? We must be careful we don't just become students of prophecy as such and deceive ourselves. Watchmen, what of the night? Watchmen, what of the night? The morning cometh, cometh, and also the night. If you will inquire, inquire, turn, come. We praise the Lord that we are not of the night, but we are of the day. And thou hast said to us in thy word that we should put off the doings and the deeds of darkness and should arise from sleep. Lord, we pray together that we may take note of that sure word of prophecy until the day dawn and the day star arise in our hearts. Lord, we pray that thou wouldst find us a people ready for thyself. Oh, quicken us, Lord, we pray. In all the pressure that we feel, in all the current that flows so strongly against us in these days, we pray, Lord, that thou wouldst make us a people who, because of that blessed hope of thy appearing, have been made pure and made ready for thy coming. Lord, work in our hearts, we pray. By thy Spirit, take thy word and write it in our hearts. And we ask it all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. May you have your eyes on the morning. May you know the deep, deep love of Jesus.